Amen. I'm glad that y'all are here today. I'll look around and see who all's here. I'm glad that you're here. You know, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. I want to share the truth with you this morning. And uh, if I share the truth, will you believe the truth? I mean, we need the truth. We need to know the truth of, of, of life, of what has happened and where we're at and what's going on. And you know, this morning, I just want to, uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, if you have your scripture and want to open it up to Luke chapter 2. But, um, you know, Christmas is a day of surprises. And it for sure had been, and it still is in many ways. I mean, Christmas was surprising in its very beginning, how it all started. You know, Mary was surprised when she received the word that she was going to be the one to bear the Messiah. Uh, the, the holy one, the, the one, the anointed one. Uh, she was surprised by that. Her cousin Elizabeth was surprised uh, to hear that she would bear the forerunner uh, of the Messiah. Uh, you know, Simeon and Anna, they were surprised um, when, they, when they saw the anointed one. They were overwhelmed by that. And, um, you know, God surprised people in the way that he came into the world. And so when you think about Christmas time, it's a time of, of surprises. That, that we don't always know what's going to happen, and, and things happen that we don't expect will happen. And the surprise was so overwhelming that, that few people were really prepared or were ready for the unique way that Christ was born. Very few people were ready for that. They were, pre- were not prepared for that. They were surprised by it. And I would invite you to turn with us to the Word of God, to, to Luke chapter 2. And, uh, you know, we arrive at this familiar and wonderful uh, chapter that describes the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. It describes the birth of Jesus Christ Now, surely this chapter, chapter 2 of Luke, is the most widely known chapter in the Bible because it tells the story of Christmas. I mean, places and homes all over the, 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 the place are reading this scripture passage during this holiday season, during Christmas time. And this chapter, this account, of course has been the source of songs, of, of, uh, of carols, of, of writings on cards and celebrations and, and gifts and, you know, even pageants and dramas and things like that have occurred because it is a very familiar story. Lots and lots of people have heard this story. And yet I believe we're going to be seeing it in some profound or rich maybe even unfamiliar ways as we come to grips with the great truth of this passage. 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke this world into being, the one who has all power, power that we cannot even comprehend, To be able to speak this world into being, the creator of the universe, (laughs) the one true God, the one true eternal God, entered society as a baby. He came into society as a baby. The creator of the universe, he put on humanity, he put on flesh and bone. 
the Lord of heaven, (laughs) the king of heaven and earth. He came to live on earth. You know, on on a night like every other night in Israel, with really no fanfare, no celebration by anyone, no gender reveal parties, a child was born. It was a night like any other night, but it wasn't a child like any other child. This child was the Lord, Jesus Christ. God and man fused together into indivisible oneness. The God-man, Jesus See, this birth was so monumental that it was the high point. It is the high point of history. It is the peak. It is the apex. It is the pinnacle of history because of this birth. Everything before that is is B.C., (laughs) before Christ. And everything after that is A.D., Anno Domini, Latin for the year of our Lord. It is the the, the turning point of all of history is the birth of Jesus Christ. You see, the birth of God in human form is the most important moment in all of history. The most important moment. And so let me read for you these seven verses in chapter two, which in plain and simple and clear language describes that event that was so monumental. It says this in chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. In order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Loving Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we have your word and Father that we can know the truth because of you being the truth. And Father, I thank you for what you did in Jesus Christ in bringing him to this earth. And I pray, Father, that even now that we would open our hearts and minds, Father, that we would have room for Christ in our hearts. Father, that that we would not turn him away. 
but Father, that we would receive your wonderful gift of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, in in Luke's gospel, he spent 79 verses previous to this telling us how Mary was pregnant, that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, that the, the, the Spirit of God came over her, and there was an announcement by an angel that said she was going to, to bear the, the, the Messiah. And, and so you have these 79 verses previous to this leading up to this birth event. And I think, you know, as, as we think about Christmas being a day of surprises, it was a day of surprises. It was the way God let humanity know where he was and who he is. I love that. Because he showed up. God showed up in human flesh. I mean, what greater surprise could there be than the Messiah was born in a feeding trough? He was born in a manger. He was born in a a place where animals eat. And I I think this is huge because the people did not anticipate that and they did not look for that. I mean, many of them thought that he would come in power, that the Messiah would come in power with a political government that would overthrow the Romans. They were waiting for someone to free them, to, to release them, to deliver them. And a baby shows up in a manger. See, God surprised them by not coming in the way they expected. God also surprises us not only in the way that he meets us in unusual places, but he surprises us often with how personal, with how personal his presence is. Folks, when you have an encounter with Almighty God, you know it. You're not left wondering what just happened. You know that you have been in the presence of Almighty God. (laughs) I mean, who would have thought that God would come into the world, that he would have come as a baby in a manger? But understand this. There is nothing more personal than a baby. There is nothing more personal than a baby. You can see a baby from far away, but if you want to get to know that baby, you've got to hold that baby. You've got to get personal with that baby. Folks, Jesus came as a baby for a reason. If we had been in charge of bringing God's son into the world, we probably would have selected, would we have selected some remote or obscure village on the other side of the world? Probably not. That's not how we would have expected it to happen. Bethlehem was an insignificant. It was insignificant in the structure of the world situation. It was a tiny little hamlet outside of nowhere. (laughs) I mean, we would have probably done something a lot more dramatic. To call attention that God's son is here. I mean, we would have probably selected, you know, a birthplace for, the God, for God's son like a, a palace of a wealthy king, someone who could take care of him, someone who could provide him all of the riches and all of the things that we might think he might need as God's son. 
Or maybe some uh, a, a person of great notoriety or, or power or influence. Would we have chosen an unknown peasant woman who wasn't even married to have as the host for the newborn king? See, but God, he chose that particular personal way to bring his son into this world. You know, sensing the wonder of Christmas is also surprising. I mean, look at the surprise of the birth of Christ. I mean, what a miracle. What a miracle it was that God's son was born in a manger to an indistinct couple in a remote part of the world. (laughs) Think of the surprise that the announcement of the birth of the Messiah, as it was given primarily to just a few shepherds and maybe a few wise men, who followed a star. No birth announcements, nothing printed in the paper, nothing sent out to the masses that, oh, hear ye, hear ye, the the, the king of heaven is born today. We would do it differently if we knew that we were carrying the Messiah, if we knew that we were gonna give birth to God's son. But God chose this way to bring his son into the world. Folks, we are amazed at how the son of God came into our world through a, (laughs) I want to say normal and ordinary, but it was anything but normal and anything but ordinary birth. Look also at the surprise of the words of Christ. You know, many of his words, as he grew up, And he began to teach and preach the words and wisdom of God. And uh, these words are words that we have memorized. We memorize his words and they're very dear to us. His words have been so powerful. They have changed so many people's lives down through the centuries. We say things like, sing them over again to me. Wonderful words of life. Sing them over again to me. Wonderful words of life. You see, the words that come from Christ are words that guide us. They are words that tell us how to relate effectively to one another, but also to Almighty God. They help us because we, as we read his words and his teachings, we understand how we are to react and respond to our fellow man, but also how we are to engage with God. See, the words of Jesus tell us how to understand God more clearly. They tell us how to be more forgiving, more compassionate more more generous I love that they guide us to find our true selves and how to walk humbly with God and to live in right relationships with one another but notice also not just his words but the surprise of his works I mean Jesus not only talked but he also reached out and he touched A lot of people, and a lot of those people were people that had very special pressing needs. And so he backed up what he said. His words were backed up with his life and with his testimony. The things that he said matched up with the things that he did. 
And so we're surprised by, by who God is and who his son is. And as he spoke about the love of God, this love was demonstrated in what he did and how he acted towards others. Oh, the best thing each one of us could do is say, I want to be like Jesus. In all of the nastiness that we see in our world, in all of the shortness, in all of the temper, in all the anger, in all the bitterness, in all the things that we see, the best thing we could do is say, I want to be like Jesus. He's changed our lives. (laughs) Remember the surprise of his death and resurrection. Folks, understand this, that death on a cross did not bring life to us because many people have died on crosses. But the significant point is this, it was the death of the Son of God on the cross that brings about redemption. Because of who he is and who died on that cross, It was his son who died that brings us redemption and we receive life through this particular cross because of the one that died there and was raised again by God the Father. See, his life, his deeds, his words, his works are all part of the surprise of his coming in the flesh to earth. But understand this, I just want to point this out. We are surprised at the power that God had in the manger. The power that God had in the manger. Who but God would think about expressing his power in an animal feeding trough? Who but God would do that? I mean, if we want to show our power, we want to, we want to be on display somewhere. We want to, we want to make it big and, and, and we want to make it where everybody will see that power and just how powerful they are. But think about this. Think about the limitless power of God. Power we can't even comprehend. This is what the Apostle Paul says about it. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Folks, I want to call that manger power. (laughs) Manger power. Think about it. Manger power. This power is modest. It It is ordinary and it works among us. Manger power is not a controlling kind of power. Manger power is not coercive. It is a power that draws by love. Here we sense that God's grace and his method are not pushed upon us by force. But he woos us and draws us by his love. This is the manger power, by his gentleness and love. And because of the humble and modest way that God's son was born, his presence was sensed only by some shepherds and a few wise men. You could probably count them on your fingers. 
and thumbs. How many people were present at his birth? We often have the mistaken notion that if we have great crowds in our church, that this is the sign of the blessing of God. But understand, I think we sometimes mistake how God works. Because God is often working quietly in individual lives. One life at a time. Maybe not in the masses, maybe not in the the huge throng and crowds, but in, in, in one life at a time. He's quietly working down through the centuries. The power of Almighty God who came into our world through a manger has continued to reach down and change the world with his quiet power. See, this manger power has brought about great universities and hospitals and brought them into existence. Humanitarian organizations of all kinds have emerged because of the impact of his presence and deeds on the lives of people. See, the transforming power that was in a manger continues to work within our world today. The same power through love and gentleness I remember a story about a, a, a guy who was sitting by a, uh, a fire in, in his, his home uh, on a Christmas Eve, and, and he wasn't very interested in Christmas, and he thought that all of this talk about God coming to the world uh, in, in, by, through a baby is, is kind of foolishness, and, and, and the day had been very cold, and there was a heavy layer of snow on the ground, and uh, the fierce weather had made it hard for the birds to get any feed. And so he took some seed out and he, he threw it out by his garage, thinking they would go over there and eat that, that bird seed and find it. But what they kept doing is they were drawn to the light of his window and probably the warmth of the fire. And they, they kept crashing into his window. And they would fall to the ground and fly off in a little bit and they'd come back crashing into his window. And he, so he went out and he, he turned the, the garage light on so maybe they would be drawn to that. But they kept hitting his window. And finally he said to himself, he said, those stupid birds. Why can't they get it? What could I do to help them? He said, I wish I could become a bird. And go out there and communicate with them and show them where the bird seed is. But then it occurred to him, he stumbled onto something about the truth about Christmas. You know, in John 1... It says, and the word, uh, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And now this fellow was thinking out loud. He said, maybe this is why God came into the world. He'd been trying to love us. He'd been trying to take care of us. He tried to help us just like I wanted to help these birds. But it was only when he came to the world in human form that we could really understand something about his love, something about his compassion, something about his power, something about his grace. See, the good news 
this Christmas is that God has come to us in Christ. I mean, we may be surprised at the way he comes to us. We're often surprised by his transforming power. Surprised at how personal it is and surprised at how this power continues to work in our world. And we're surprised by his words. We're surprised by his works. But most of all, the greatest surprise for each of us is that God has indeed changed us. And we too are new people because of his surprising power. He has come to release that power in each one of us. You know, in Micah chapter two, verse 13, it says this in the message. It says, then I, God, (laughs) then I, God, will burst all confinements and lead them out into the open. They'll follow their king and I will be out front leading them. The one thing that really troubles me in this passage that we read out of Luke 2, it says, because there was no room for them in the end. I mean, the bottom line that we must answer today is do you have room for Christ? Do you have room for Christ You know, when we expect company, we get things ready for them if we want them to stay with us. We we make arrangements, we make uh, preparations for them, we change the bed sheeting, we get everything ready if they're gonna come and stay with us. I know about this. I got company coming. 10 fun-filled days. (laughs) Keep smiling, Rich. Keep smiling. You know, the idea, though, is, is we have to make room. We have to make room. You might say, well, I, I'm not worthy that he should come and stay with me. That's not the question. The question is, do you have room? But the room I have in my heart is so unclean and dirty. Wasn't the stable? Do you have room? But my heart is stone cold. So was the resting place in the manger. Do you have room? But I feel my heart has been a den of of beasts. Wasn't the manger also where the animals fed? Didn't they eat there? The question is, do you have room? If you have room for Christ, then he will be your guest. He's a gentleman. He's going to stay where he's invited in. He's going to stay where you have made preparations for him. He's going to stay where there is room for him. Don't say, I hope I will have room in the future. Because the time has come when we must, he must be born in our hearts. You know, Mary couldn't wait more days, she couldn't wait more weeks, she couldn't wait more months or even years. And you can't either. If you have room for him, then let him be born in your soul today. 
I mean, he waits to take up residence, to live in your heart today. See, the Christ of glory, the king of heaven, cradled in a manger is God's object lesson to each and every sinner that Christ will come to us if we will make room for him. Listen, God has built a bridge. God himself has built a bridge to us. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. And Christ, the God with us, is also the God for us. And we can joyfully cry out and sing, if God be for us, then who can be against us? If you have room for him, let him be born in your soul today. Folks, I can't make it any plainer. He wants to come in and have a relationship with you. But you have to have room in your heart for Jesus. He stays where he's invited and welcomed in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and will open the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. Do you have room for him? Let's pray together. Loving Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how it challenges us, Father. I thank you that that we need to have room for Jesus in our lives. Father, what a great thing you did in bringing your son to earth for us. Father, I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful for the difference that he makes in my life. Father, I know that you have transformed my heart because of Jesus Christ living within. And Father, I pray that you would do that in in each one of our hearts. Father, for everyone who can hear my voice, I pray that they would do that today. That today would be the day that Jesus Christ is born in their hearts. Father, that that we would have room for him. Father, there are many things that try to fill our hearts. But the one most important thing, the best thing, is if we will invite Jesus in. So Father, I pray that each one of us would do that today. Just simply by praying a prayer. Dear Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know that Jesus is your son and he gave his life so that my sins could be forgiven. And I invite him in, into my heart to live and to be my Savior and my Lord. God, your word says if we will do that, if we will call upon the name of Jesus, that we will be saved. Father, I pray that you would do that in each of our hearts. Father, may we today make a commitment of our lives 
to Jesus Christ. May we come and say, Jesus, I have room in my heart for you to abide. Come in and abide. Father, thank you for all that you do for us every single day. Father, it doesn't always happen the way we think it's going to happen. But Father, you have been so very good to us in providing your son as the sacrifice for our sin. And we thank you. Guide us in time of response. I pray, Father, that you would be glorified today in each one of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.